So let's open our Bibles to John chapter 10. We're going to read verses 1 through 10 again. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them. And when he brings, up, brings out his own, the sheep, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of, the, of a stranger. Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. And then Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All whoever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. And the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they, ha they may have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Father, we just thank you so much, Lord, for your word. And um, I pray, Father, that you will continue to deepen our relationship with you. Help us to see you clear. Help us, Lord, to, for our hearts, Lord, to worship you from the inside out. <laughs> and as we, um, as we get to know you, and your greatness. Not just Jesus on the cross, but Jesus coming in a white horse. The, the, the Jesus of history, the Jesus of the beginning and the end, the first and the last. I pray that our hearts will be overwhelmed with gratitude, with love, and that out of that, Lord, we would, we would uh, respond and our lives will be lives that are given to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I am the good shepherd. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. This is an illustration um, to us. Um, and it had a daily significance to the people that were listening to Jesus at the time. For us, it's a little bit difficult, sheep, uh, and um, and shepherds is not something that is very connected to us, most of us. Uh, I remember when I lived in London and, and we, Loretta and I were just married, we would go to the market and it's not like we saw anything growing. We just saw everything there at the market. Uh, you, you didn't see the vegetables growing. And it was when I would go to Loretta's house that I would see where it all comes from in the garden, you know. And, and for us... Here, uh, the illustration of sheep and shepherds, is, it's very distant from us. Um, I mean, of course, we do see sheep, but it's a little bit different. And the shepherd's life was a hard and lonely life. Uh, a flock could not really feed without a shepherd 
uh, and he was never off duty. Uh, they with because sometimes there would be little grass that 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 the sheep were prone to wander to go away, and without walls, sometimes in in the hills of Israel, they they would be um, um, they would be able to fall or even wander into the desert. The shepherd's task was not only constant, but it was dangerous. There was the danger of wolves. There was the danger of lions. There was the dangers of bears. And if you, there's a book called The Land and the Book, which is a, a book written in the 1800s about um, Israel. And, and, um, and it speaks about how at night you could hear hyenas. And you can just imagine being alone as a shepherd with the sheep on the hills and not and and not realizing what might happen. You know, Loretta and I did a is Loretta here? We we did a great venture one day to go camping once. <laughs> we had Nena with us, which is our little uh, golden retriever, and we couldn't take him to a camp. So what we did is on the hills, on we went to the mountain of Soyer, and uh, there we pitched the tent and we got into the tent with our dog. Uh, and around one in the morning, uh, I began to hear. I mean, we had already had noises of campers pulling up and, and different things. But at one point, I began to just hear steps coming at us. And I was just like, oh, my goodness, Alerta's is like, do something. And I'm just like, what do you want me to do? You know, and I just popped out of that tent and I go, because Mark Jasper told me, if you ever feel in danger, just act crazy. You know, so I was like, Aah! And I just found myself with a herd of sheep, you know. <laughs> All to say that it can be scary out there when you're by yourself. We never camped again. Our kids would love to, but nope, it's over. But you can see how being a shepherd in Judea became a symbol of God's care and why Jesus took the shepherd as an illustration of self-sacrifice. Psalm 100, verses 1 through 5, it says, Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. He says, Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who has made us and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of his pasture. We are the sheep. He is the shepherd. And through that, it is through, through those statements, we are the sheep, he is the good shepherd. Therefore, Jesus is we are being diagnosed by Jesus as a vulnerable and in need of good, healthy, and loving guidance. We are vulnerable and in need of good, healthy, and loving guidance. Vulnerable to thieves and robbers. And Jesus makes it clear that just as sheep are vulnerable to thieves, so are we. The thief comes to steal and to destroy. In Spain... In 2022, 
there was uh, domestic violence rose by 8.3 percent. 32,644 cases of domestic violence in 2022 in Spain. 52 women were killed by their hands of their partner in 2022. You know by whom they were killed? By thieves and robbers. But my question is, how did they come did these husbands, these partners, these boyfriends, did they come as bullies? Or did they come very charismatic, very nice, very um, sensitive, and little by little just pulled them in until they were under their jealousy, their dominion, their control? With real love, we were talking about it today with the sex traffic, pimps. Pimps also come with niceness. They even make the girl feel very special. You're so beautiful. Well, why don't you just do this? And, 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 and as they go nicely, they bring them into isolation, manipulation, grooming, control finances, and then it turns into threats and intimidations. It doesn't start out. I think we got to get this out of our mind that the thief and the robber and, uh, and, the, and, and, um, and, and the killer comes in a way that is obviously like that. In 2008, the Madoff scandal exploded. Madoff was the founder of Madoff Investments and Securities in 1960, and he founded the largest Ponzi scheme in history. According to the original federal charges, persecutors estimate that the size of the fraud was $64 billion. Based on the accounts of 4,800 clients as of November 30th, 2008, a Ponzi scheme is a fraudulent investment scam where returns of existing clients are paid by the, fee, by the investments of the new clients. And eventually there's just an empty balloon there of, of fictitious money. Listen to this. He exhibited traits of charm, trustworthiness, and a strong reputation. He cultivated an air of exclusivity, creating a sense of privilege for his clients. This facade contributed to the success of his fraudulent scheme as investors were lured in by the promise of cons con cons con um, consistent high returns and perceived tr uh, trustworthiness. So he was charming. He purported, uh, he purported trustworthiness. He had a strong reputation. He gave exclusive attention to his clients. But in the whole time, he was ripping them off. Robbing and stealing. In contrast, Jesus says, I am 
the good shepherd. You know what I'm trying to say here? Even in the religious realm, there's people that are very sweet and, 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 and pur- purport to be very godly, but as thieves and robbers. What I'm trying to say is it comes subtly. But listen, if there's somebody in this world that we can trust, and I would venture to say that the only person that we can completely trust is Jesus. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. I have come that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill. In contrast, Jesus, let me read to you this quote, one solitary life. I've read this many times before, I'm sure, but it's just, I just love it. He was born in an obscure village, the child of a peasant, He grew up in another village where he worked in a carpenter shop until he was 30. Then for three years, he was an itinerant itinerant preacher. He never wrote a book. He never held an office. He never had a family or owned a home. He didn't go to college. He never lived in a big city. He never traveled 200 miles from the place where he was born. He He did none of the things that usually accompany greatness. He had no credentials but himself. He was only 33 when the tide of public opinion turned against him. His friends ran away. One of them denied him. He was turned over to his enemies and went through the mockery of a trial. He was nailed to a cross between two thieves. While he was dying, his executioners gambled for his garments, the only property he had on earth. When he was dead, He was laid in a borrowed grave through the pity of a friend. Twenty centuries have come and gone, and today he is the central figure of the human race. I am well within the mark when I say that all the armies that ever marched, all the navies that ever sailed, all the parliaments that ever sat, all the kings that ever reigned put together have not affected the life of man on this earth as much as this one solitary life. But I'm the world is a dangerous world. We are vulnerable sheep. The one that truly cares and where we should put our complete trust in is that one solitary life. We have from beginning to end the proof that he is faithful, that he's sincere, that he is loving, that he's kind, that he is powerful, that he can save. What is the good shepherd like? You know, uh, the way that they train bankers, U.S. bankers, how to detect false money. Have you, have you, I'm sure you've heard it, but if you haven't, be, if you have, be amused again. And if you haven't, it's quite amazing. They don't take, they take them on a retreat for a couple of weeks and they don't actually even let them touch fake money. All they do is handle and study the real thing so that when they are in a bank and they're handed over anything that's fake, or at least before we had the machines that detected that, what they would do is they would handle the good stuff so much 
that whenever something fake was handed to them, they were able to detect it instantly. And I think it's important that we get acquainted with Jesus. What is the good shepherd like? Notice verse 15. I lay my life down for the sheep. Love and sacrifice. During the 9-11 attacks, there was a volunteer firefighter called Wellis Crowther, and he repeatedly went back into the South Tower to save people. He guided and carried numerous individuals to safety before ultimately losing his life when the tower collapsed. Now that is a firefighter. Flight 93 on the same day of United Airlines was hijacked and they witnessed the heroic actions of passengers. One Todd Beamer was on the phone uh, with control and when he realized that they had been hijacked and they were going to be a missile to kill others, he fought back against the hijackers. Their courageous efforts actually prevented the plane from reaching Washington, D.C. And the plane went down in a field in Pennsylvania. I'm sure you've heard about that. The bravery is remembered of a guy that gave his life and others, of course, for the sake of other people. His last words were, are you guys ready? Okay, let's roll. Thank goodness, I just, yeah, I just... Notice the contrast. What does the thief do? What does the robber do? He takes. He takes and takes. What does the killer do? He takes. What does the good shepherd do? He gives. Think of marriage. When you have two people married and all they think is about taking, 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 it's not long before it's over. When you have a marriage where two people are committed to giving themselves to each other, that's marriage. Every relationship is like that. You know, generosity. The contrast of taking versus he, I lay my life down for the sheep. I give myself. Jesus lays down his life. He laid his life down for us willingly. He, is, he has been more generous to you than anybody. Not, I mean, we don't even have to, have to talk about what we have because the brains we have, everything we have, the food we eat, the, everything comes from him. But I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about the fact that he gave himself generously for us. The good shepherd lays his life down for the sheep. But then also notice the good shepherd, notice the gentle way in which he manages the sheep. Notice it says, he calls them my name. They're not a number. The individual knowledge and the personal interest, the personal relationship Jesus has with his people. 
Oh my goodness. I just, I just love this kind of stuff because you have Samuel, his, his mom really wanted a child. She could, and all of a sudden God makes her a promise. He has a child. Samuel's born. He gets taken to Eli to the, there to the temple and he's raised. And at one point they says the word of God was rare. And, and then Samuel was asleep. The priests were corrupt and, and, and the Lord just says, Hey dude, he doesn't say, hey, dude, and he say, Samuel, Samuel. And he goes to Eli, he goes, and you call me? Nobody didn't call you. And it happened three times, and by the third time, or by, this, by the, the third time that Samuel goes, he just says, hey, just next time you hear your name being called Samuel, Samuel, hear, yes, Lord, your servant is listening. He calls by name. I mean, come on, guys. Let's say that we were in, in a big forum. I mean, my, my I would love uh, Steve Jobs. I mean, I know he's not with us anymore, so I don't expect to see him. But, but imagine that you were in a, in a big forum, and and there's ten thousand people there from Silicon Valley, from everywhere, and you're just a macri. My mom says you you should work for Apple, you know. And um, and imagine that you're in this big thing, and all of a sudden Steve Jobs says, "Hey, Raph." Wow. Hear the king, the king of the universe. We're not a number. We're not a statistic. Before we were born, while we were in our mother's womb, he knew us. He formed us. He calls us by name. The individual knowledge that he has of us. When, when he rose from the grave and, and, and Mary was there by the, by the tomb and, and she was like, he thought that she thought the guy was the gardener. And she's like, well, could you tell us where they've put Jesus? And he, there's this dialogue going on and all of a sudden Jesus says, Mary. And Mary goes, my Lord. <laughs> she's called by name. Sometimes even changes our name. Remember with Simon? Simon, I guess, means shifting sand. The guy that was sort of passionate and, and emotional and all over the place. And Jesus goes, you are Simon. And you will be called Peter, a rock. Like, I know you and I know your name and I know your nature, but I'm going to transform you. One that is quite amazing, it was, it was Zacchaeus, no? He can't get in, he's short, he can't even see him. And he climbs up a tree and all of a sudden Jesus goes, Zacchaeus, I'm having lunch at your house today. Zacchaeus must have been like, how do you know my name? He knows you better than you know yourself. He is the good shepherd. But also he leads them. Notice in verse 4 it says he leads them. There's a big difference between leading and driving people. He leads out of our mess. He leads us into deep relationship with him. He leads us into grace. He leads us into victory. He leads us through trials. He leads us into purpose. He gently leads us. And he doesn't just lead. Notice, notice what it says. He goes before them and the sheep follow. 
So it's not a leading kind of like, okay, I, I heard a pastor once and it draws, I, I respect and love the pastor, but I was so angry when I read, I heard this message because um, he goes, he was talking about some missionary. Um, he, he did a series of missionaries and, and he was talking about this missionary that gave his life, his life for the mission field, you know, and he's going, and where are these missionaries that would give their lives for the um, for the gospel? Uh, and there are people here today. You need to go out and go give your life for the gospel. And I'm just like, why don't you show us the way? Go before us as Jesus went before us. Sometimes it's easy to exhort, but I mean, what we need is to watch and to be called upon. To, to follow behind. He goes before them, verse 4. In Psalm 23, says, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And you know, we are able to, I mean, just one example, we're able to go through the valley of the shadow of death, and we need not fear any evil because we've seen our Lord Jesus Christ go through death before us. When I was in the military, there was, um, the military world is kind of funny because, and, I, and I've talked about this before, and, and I'm on a Facebook thing where, where we have some friends and that we were in the military together. And it's amazing how bad of memory we have of what we were, you know, because they're like, we were some tough guys, you know. We were, we kicked butt, you know, and we were, we were this, these amazing dudes, you know. And, and I'm just like, what? that's not what I remember. I remember being so cold that I was always by the heater. I remember, I remember at one point these platoon of, of, of tanks, Bradleys, that came our way. And, um, and we were all asleep. And then we got shot up with miles gear so it was it was a uh, laser and and all of a sudden our lights went off and uh means we were dead which i was quite happy about because the moment you're dead you get to sleep but but i remember that we got shot up by these bradley tanks listen and they were our friends they were supposed to be protecting us so i'm just like i don't remember all that good stuff you know i remember one guy with a grenade we were training to throw grenades and he freaked out and he had that grenade he wouldn't let go and then the sergeant grabbed his arm and threw it over the wall and the grenade exploded on the other side of the wall i don't remember being such badasses for, for lack of a better term you know i mean that's i just don't remember that but sometimes you can sort of build this facade of what you were. But I remember in the military, there was a big difference between NCOs and officers, you know, because uh, if you called an, an NCO, which would be a sergeant, a corporal, or something like that, if you called them sir, they would look at you and say, like, don't call me sir. I work for a living. So what they said is the officers were students, they were, had head knowledge, but they had no practical knowledge of, they had not experienced warfare, they had not experienced certain things. And you earn, and then, and because you had the fake, because you had the, the, the tough guys and stuff, you, you kind of um, um, uh, you, you got respect for the people that are actually been through things. And I found out in the military that those that talk the least are probably the ones that experience the most.
But if you watch uh, Band of Brothers, which is a series, I think it was Spielberg uh, that put it together, you see that the, that the respect is earned by those that go before Jesus. Jesus. Listen to this. In Hebrews 5, 7, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with them in Christ and tears to him who was able to save him from death, and was heard because of his godly fear. Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things he suffered. I mean, here's the writer of the Hebrews saying, when Jesus was on earth, he would go out and he would be struggling with some of the things going on and he would cry out to his father. Listen, we have a champion. We have a captain that is gone. He knows everything we go through because he went through it before he leads us. As a matter of fact, it says this in Hebrews 12, it says, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. And you know, sometimes when you think about fixing your eyes on Jesus, you think of think, uh, fixing your eyes on this person that's in heaven, but actually that's not what the writer of the Hebrews is saying. What the writer of the Hebrews is saying is fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of, the, of, of our faith, who in the days when he was on earth, Look at his life. Look the way he gave himself. Look the things that happened to him. Draw strength from that because you, your faith is going to be fed as you watch your captain go before you. I was talking to Gordon this week and we were remembering uh, Mel Gibson. You guys seen the movie um, Braveheart? And, and there's, I mean, when you watch that movie, it's amazing because there's the, the son of the ruler and then there's Braveheart. And Braveheart is just something else, you know, because he, he's got the whole army there and the enemy army is on the other side. And he just looks at them and he says, okay, you can go home to your beds and live. But years from now, you will be dying for one chance to come back here and say, you may take our lives, but you will not take our freedom. And then he goes, who's with me? And everybody's like, yeah. But because they had, because you have, you know, our, our champion is Jesus. They were moved by, you know, but, but there's the, he leads them. He leads them. We're heading. I'm sorry, today we're running a bit late because of all the things. But he speaks. Maybe we could leave this for next week, but he speaks. And the sheep respond. They recognize his voice. For they know his voice. What kind of a voice that Jesus had? What kind of a voice that God has? How do we know his voice? And we're going to leave that for next week. I'll leave you hanging. Because if not, I'm going to kill you guys. But do you see what a privilege we have? What a savior we have? The good shepherd. You know, years ago, we felt real people in a real world with a real light. With a, with a real God. And... It is, it is important, that, that word real. You know, in Mallorca, we have the Majorica pearls. 
You guys seen it in Manacor? They are the most real looking fake pearls in the world. Facts. They're expensive, but they're fake. They look good, but they're fake. The real ones are formed by an irritation, a grain of sand, and an oyster, and they develop that unique look, that uniqueness about them, that beauty, the cost of it all. It's just beautiful. I don't want to settle for the fake. We are vulnerable. In this world, we are vulnerable sheep, but we have a great shepherd. And I want to encourage us, just like with the bankers, don't get caught up with everything. Give yourself to knowing Jesus. He is that one solitary life, incomparable. And he's the one, listen, he is the one that has proved to be faithful, loving, generous, righteous, strong. I, I kind of go under the, I pretty much expect that I cannot trust anyone completely. What I mean by this, don't misunderstand it. We're all going to fail each other. So I'm saying you can't really, you can't rely on me completely. But listen, you know what? I don't even trust myself. I'm at a point where trusting myself is being weaned. And the only one worth trusting, ultimately, is the Lord Jesus. So should we pray together? I mean, I know we almost do this every week, but I mean, if you don't know the Lord, He calls you by name. You might be being introduced to Him, but you're... I mean, he might be being introduced to you, but you're not being introduced to him. He knows you. He loves you. He's generous. He's the most generous person in the universe. He speaks. He's not a force. He speaks. He will lead you. Lead you out lead you deep, lead you up, lead you in. He will lead you. We are sheep. We need a leader. And if you know him today, like Abraham, a great tremendous promise was made to Abraham. And yet, when you look at his life, he doubted every single thing God promised until 
he saw God's faithfulness. And at the end of his life, he was willing to even give up his son because he knew how faithful God was. And I would ask us to pray, Lord, take us deeper. So let's pray together. I'm going to give you guys a few moments. If you do not know the Lord, just simply pray, Lord Jesus, I want to know you. I don't want to know a caricature of you. I want to know you. Will you help me? Will you speak to me? Will you lead me? I'm just going to give you a few moments. If you do not know the Lord in your own heart, just ask him. And if you do know him, and you've experienced, you've tasted his wonderfulness, pray that he would take you deeper with him. Paul, 20 years on after meeting the Lord, goes, I want to know Jesus, the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings. He was always growing, always exploring, always discovering. Just take a few moments and pray. We thank you so much, Lord, for just your incredible goodness, Lord. You don't need us, Lord. You love us. We're not your, your means to an end. You love us. You don't need our money. You don't need our service. You want us. We are valuable to you, Lord. I'm so grateful. And I pray, Father, as that you would do in our lives a wonderful work, Lord, of realizing that the one true friend we have is you, intimate. You know everything about us, Lord, and you still love us. Lead us, Lord. Guide us. In Jesus' name, amen.